Hey, great you're listening. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in sustainable development, leadership and happiness. I'm Maaike van der Velde and for the majority of my career I've been working in an action-driven environment where people strive for equal rights, sustainable development for people and planet. In this podcast series I will explore examples of leadership that led to sustainable change. And it doesn't matter if you're working in a commercial enterprise, government or non-profit, What actually matters in this podcast is the drive of people to change something for the environment or the people they care about. Enjoy listening and let me know what you think. Hey, welcome to this podcast episode. And today we welcome a very special guest, uh, Karin, Karin Weber. She is Senior Policy Advisor of the Task Force Women's Rights and Gender Equality at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Netherlands. Um, Karin, you've been working in various places in the world, mainly in Eastern Africa, but also for ex- in Vietnam, for example. Um, you've been involved in work for the Dutch government, for the United Nations, various NGOs, and you even had your own enterprise. So you did lots of things in this um, yeah, last uh, 10, 15 years. Um, you always strive for gender equality, sexual reproductive health and rights, and yeah, basically try to uh, develop great things actually for many people. Um, You also have been one of my very close friends and always been an inspiration in work, but also in life and family. Um, and I really appreciate your positive mindset and you just have a very happy spirit. So it's a pleasure wow. to welcome you here. Wow, thank you. <laughs> so happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for that uh, wonderful introduction. Yes, and I'm really looking forward to have this uh, talk with you. Me um, too. We're going to explore, well, your le- leadership journey, basically. Uh, um, and... Uh, Feel free to share whatever you want to share. I asked Anning to share something about her leadership development. Her river of life. When did the river turn to the left and when did it turn to the right? Gosh, where to start? Uh, perhaps in my teenage years. <laughs> in uh, high school uh, I was already uh, yeah, very dedicated to my Taekwondo practice but also to the other tea in my life which was Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, I was very busy with attending uh, meditation classes, uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, painting classes, uh, but also uh, Tibet human rights uh, activists work. Uh, so that's really where I think this whole uh, sort of uh, yeah, striving for justice, uh, fighting against injustice uh, for human rights uh, really started uh, around the age of uh, 15, 16. Um, I studied international development studies um, in a city called Nijmegen. Uh, and of course, a lot of uh, yeah, people who were going to the university were also uh, uh, really into uh, protesting and human rights and doing uh, social related uh, sort of volunteering uh, work. Uh, so I think that's really uh, where the journey started. Already uh, at high school, uh, I was very active and I also decided to take a gap year between uh, high school and university. 
uh, was working, I was training very hard to get my uh, black belt taekwondo uh, and saving money to go to Tibet uh, at the age of uh, 17, <laughs> uh, which of course was a really amazing experience to be there and at the same time very sad uh, to be there and uh, to, to be there as a tourist in an occupied country, uh, talking to people even though it was very dangerous to talk to me about the human rights situation, the occupation of Tibet uh, and hearing all their hardship uh, was uh, yeah, a very uh, mixed feelings uh, being there, uh, but it really planted a lot of seeds, uh, I think, for the rest uh, of my career. Um, so after university, naturally, my first job uh, was to become, um, well, director, it sounds very cool, uh, but it was a director of a Tibet human rights organization of uh, one full-time position, which was me, uh, <laughs> and uh, three part-time positions uh, and around 100 uh, volunteers uh, countrywide. After a year, Karen decides to start the Advanced Master of International Development Studies. And there's where her international career really kicks off. And uh, that's when I got the um, position at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for the um, well, first time. This was 2007. It's also the year that we met, actually. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you were doing the same uh, advanced masters uh, in international development studies as me uh, at a different unit uh, within uh, the ministry, but uh, working on similar issues. Um, which was, yeah, the, this program was a really great opportunity. We uh, worked four days a week and went one day a week to the university uh, to do the advanced masters. Uh, and it was a really great opportunity to work uh, within the ministry uh, as, uh, as policy officers. And um, But yeah, as, as it happened, I remember I was uh, very interested in a program working for the United Nations. Uh, and there were only a few places every year that were financed from the Dutch government and uh, I remember applying three times in a row uh, didn't get it, got very close, uh, but didn't get it. And I remember telling my mom, you know what, this whole sort of goal of working abroad for the UN, uh, maybe I should just stay in the Netherlands anyway. <laughs> and then, of course, as, as it often goes, when you decide to change your plan and then this opportunity comes along. And uh, long story short, I got offered a position with the United Nations Population Fund in Rwanda. Uh, and within a few weeks, I had to leave my job at the ministry and uh, go to Kigali. And yeah, this, you know, I was very much uh, interested in Asia, completely obsessed with Tibet. And then suddenly I found myself in an East African country that I knew, well, very little about pretty much what everybody knows about Rwanda. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this was really sort of a, a thrown into the deeper situation and uh, had all these expectations of what a UN uh, office uh, would be like. And of course, uh, it, it was very different than the picture I had in my mind. Mind. But it, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Also being by myself, I was 26, uh, living in a country uh, I didn't know at all, having to start from scratch with making work connections, um, creating a social network. And uh, yeah, it, it was really uh, amazing. It wasn't always easy, but it was really a great experience. In her work and life, Karin has several values which are important drivers. It's a drive of change, uh, but it's also curiosity. Let's see what happens, a positive mindset, and let's go for it. All these values are important drivers for her leadership. I think that when you talk about sort of the river of, you know, my, my journey, my change, it, it really revolves around the different countries uh, that I lived in, because after two years in Rwanda, uh, I was offered uh, a position in Vietnam, in Hanoi. 
uh, with the same organization, uh, the Population Fund of the United Nations. Um, and uh, I worked there for one year, which a completely different communist country, totally lost in translation. Uh, <laughs> my, my colleagues in the office uh, spoke English. Uh, also, by that time, I met my now husband uh, who joined me. Uh, so that was also interesting going from a long distance relationship to living together in a, you know, a southeastern country <laughs> in a capital uh, like Hanoi. Um, it was a great experience, but it wasn't always easy at the start, of course. And uh, yeah, diff different team, different culture. And uh, but I think we've sort of always had this attitude of, you know what, this is a new chapter, new adventure, and uh, we're just going to do this and it's going to be uh, fine and yeah I think also uh, very quickly making social connections and uh, making sure you feel at home no matter where you are I remember my taekwondo teacher when I was around 15 years old telling me you have this obsession you want to go to Tibet but you'll soon find out it doesn't matter where you are uh, you know as long as uh, you sort of you're in a good place and, uh, and that's very true it doesn't matter which place on the planet you are uh, you're at and after their time in Vietnam, they decide to move back to Eastern Africa, and this time it's Uganda. Karen starts working as a consultant and does many assignments. She explains what her experience in the multiple countries so far has actually meant for her in her development. I think at the beginning of my career, uh, you know, being young, you're like super idealistic, at times a little bit naive, at times a little bit, uh, <laughs> I've, I've made some mistakes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course I still do. Uh, but I think yeah, a few years later, uh, you're a bit more comfortable, you know when to be diplomatic, when to be a bit more activist. And uh, of course that still doesn't always uh, go well, but uh, it definitely helps all those years of experience in different countries and cultures and mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah and, and that's when I uh, in Kampala I uh, met people from this uh, British uh, consultancy firm uh, who I ended up working uh, for for several years during many assignments uh, within the African uh, continent, uh, which was brilliant. It was also the time we didn't have kids yet. Uh, so pretty much every weekend I was uh, sort of unpacking my suitcase, doing laundry, packing again and leaving uh, for Lebanon or Morocco or Mozambique. Or It, it was it was completely mental, but it was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> So, no, and yeah, after a few years, our daughter was born and that's really, uh, yeah, when, when your perspective and your sort of, uh, your career ambitions uh, at, at that point did change uh, a bit. Uh, my, uh, uh, at that point, the, the, the small consultancy firm that I worked for was purchased by a very large uh, British um, consultancy firm. Uh, one of those companies that if you go to their website and you check out the board of directors, you see a page full of pictures of white grey man uh, and that wasn't the organization I wanted to work for <laughs> especially not from from East Africa um, so yeah we made another bold decision with our six-month-year-old daughter uh, I decided to quit my job my 
husband uh, graduated, also didn't have a job, uh, and we decided to move back to Rwanda. Uh, so he went overland with the moving truck. I went with my uh, baby uh, in the in the airplane, and uh, we, we landed uh, in Kigali. Um, yeah, both uh, unemployed, but again full of optimism. It'll be fine. We'll freelance. We'll get there, and uh, even did a bit of work together uh, as a, as a consultancy team, and uh, which went well. But we also decided let's not do this again because uh, we ended up talking about work only <laughs> in, at home. In Rwanda, Karen picks up her consultancy work again, and this is good in the combination with the young child. Um, in the international sector, there were not too many part-time jobs, so the, she was able now to combine her family life with her work as a consultant. Became a mom, um, even though I always. Uh, thought to myself I wouldn't be one of those mothers who's gonna work part-time uh, when I have children but I did <laughs> and actually being an independent consultant gave me that opportunity because abroad there aren't many uh, positions where you can uh, work part-time it's not really a thing uh, in international development but as uh, as an independent consultant I could determine my own hours uh, most of the time yeah. If I listen to your story so far, I'm now we're we're now kind of somewhere in Rwanda. It go it continues the stories, of course. But I hear if I listen to you, I I mean amazing where you started uh, uh, the age of 15, 16. But if I listen carefully, I think there are a couple of values which pop up every time. It's kind of adventure. Yeah. It's activism. It's following your intuition, I would say, or yeah. like let's do this. Come on, and we're going to to make this happen. Um, and uh, but there's also how uh, because you also did some interesting jobs you're yeah. now talking about locations but I think the content of your work also was kind of a deliberate yeah. choice isn't it absolutely yeah yeah no definitely it's uh, I mean when I worked at the ministry it was about civic space it's really a space for civil society organizations for human rights defenders um, and for the UN I worked in gender equality and sexual reproductive health and rights uh, a drive to change something for gender equality and people in the world is actually rooted in her childhood and how she grew up Karen explains. Yeah, so working in the area of uh, gender equality, women's rights, uh, sexual reproductive health and rights is really a topic very close to the heart. Of course, being a woman, uh, you deal with gender inequality every day. Um, I grew up in a family uh, with an older brother and already realizing uh, that, yeah, in a way, even though I'm sure my parents uh, tried very, very hard to uh, sort of do the upbringing uh, similarly, but uh, of course there were changes being a girl um, in terms of being picked up from uh, school parties and, and freedom going out. And um, so, yeah, also in our family, um, uh, there, there. I've lost an auntie um, to gender-based violence, so that's also something I never met her, but yeah, somehow feel very connected to her. Uh, so I think also, um, sort of subconsciously, that's always been a very, uh, yeah, big drive for me to to work on these topics of of gender equality, uh, preventing gender-based violence. Um, 
and working in the countries like Rwanda, Uganda, Vietnam, there, I mean, everywhere, even in the Netherlands, but this gender equality and violence against women and girls, uh, violence against LGBTIQ community, um, it, it's very much uh, present and uh, something that, uh, yeah, feel very strong drive to, uh, to contribute to. Uh, at the same time, like working, you know, in the Tibet human rights sector, it's something you need a lot of patience and you need to celebrate the small steps because it's, it's something that doesn't change quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, we do see progress um, in many countries worldwide, uh, luckily, um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. It's not a job uh, uh, where I work at the moment. It's called a task force, which sounds like it's a, it's a temporary thing, just something that quickly needs to be fixed and then we can <laughs> move, on. Yeah, move on. No, <laughs> no, gender inequality is not something, uh, unfortunately, that will uh, disappear soon. Yeah, I think you do very important work. And uh, if you, uh, we just talked about the values there, which I just picked out. And um, if you translate it to the work you're doing now, how does that relate to your current position and the work you do? Yeah, it's um, very happy in my current position. It's uh, it's really like sort of all the experience. I'm also very happy that I've had all that experience working in a different countries. Because uh, now working for uh, the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, in in gender diplomacy within the EU within the UN, um, it, it's really yeah it's fantastic because uh, the Netherlands is really. Um, very ambitious, very progressive country when it comes to equal rights um, for all genders, different gender identities, expression, um, sexual orientation, LGBTIQ uh, persons. So it's really, it's very liberating in a way because working in countries uh, where I worked for UN agencies, uh, NGOs, government, um, th those were also issues that couldn't really be discussed and, mm -hmm. uh, or you always had to be a bit careful uh, what you would say being in those countries um, so yeah being back in the Netherlands and working for such a progressive uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs is really a great experience Are there um, situations where if you look back to the last years where you think well here this is a moment where you where I really took the lead and where I really made a significant difference. Can you share a story? Of, yeah, of that? sure. Yeah, I think one one of the things that come to mind is when I worked in Uganda as a mm -hmm. consultant uh, for the for UNICEF and UNFPA. Uh, I did research in a very rural area uh, with the border of Kenya um, about female genital mutilation and cutting. Uh, so I was interviewing uh, girls uh, in, the middle, uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, elderly people in communities uh, that were part of the programs that we funded. Um, and really documenting good practices. So uh, community dialogues around the topic of female genital mutilation and cutting, uh, a new law that was being implemented in Uganda and all the challenges that were faced uh, in terms of uh, the authorities um, uh, and working with communities that were still very much in favor of this harmful uh, practice and uh, seeing all the great work of our partners on the ground uh, in trying to change people's attitudes uh, and practices um, and talking to girls uh, 
who were part of the program and uh, yeah, who successfully stayed in school, uh, didn't have to undergo um, female genital mutilation and cutting, uh, who were doing uh, peer educating work uh, with others. And it's, it's so extremely inspiring to uh, yeah, be part of that research and also uh, the findings of that research were used for the global um, uh, joint program by UNFPA and UNICEF uh, on um, ending uh, FGM and yeah I think that's really one of the I mean of course it's never like my result it's really always a team effort of course um, but there are things that you yeah. did to make it successful although it may be a puzzle piece of, uh, of the bigger picture but what yeah. did you do to make it successful what is the your ingredients yeah i think it was really the sort of documenting it in such a way uh, to really show what was it about those programs that made it work mm. that made uh, parents decide not to uh, have their daughter undergo fgm um, or elderly that especially men who, who didn't even realize what they were doing to their daughters of the community and uh, by a, a simple thing as showing the elderly men in communities videos about what it actually literally meant to undergo um, so you showed them the videos of the practice yeah I didn't oh, the, the, the programs program? uh, that we supported did yes, and okay. I, I documented uh, their way of working and uh, mm. and the results of those programs yeah. and shared them um, globally with our um, headquarters in New York um, and yeah, I think that was one of the sort of good practices that they used for upscaling um, and also extending uh, the program. So this is just a small example. Mm -hmm. It was also to me one of those really great experiences of really being in the middle of nowhere and doing this research uh, together with the communities and uh, being in little airplanes, feeling like flying doctors. <laughs> like <laughs> well, Again, it sounds that, that, the, that the, it's also kind of a it's not a daily practice of many of us that you are the one who is jumping on that airplane and trying to make it happen, documenting the learnings, ship that back to global discussions and yeah. be kind of a, a middleman of all the things to create local change, yeah. but also connected to the bigger debate. Very simple talk about human rights everybody has the same human rights these are universal these apply mm -hmm. to everybody everywhere and i think as long as we keep that in mind then you know and working in a participatory way with the communities then so much can be uh, achieved which uh, yeah it's very inspiring and how how does this work i mean this is just a, a story you mentioned but i think it's amazing inspiring story how does these kind of jobs you have done, how does it enrich you? Because you give a lot to others, eh? you you go to those places out there and try to make a difference for people. What does it bring you as a person? Yeah, a lot of rich experience, uh, definitely. And also being very aware of my role that, you know, I'm, I'm the outsider. I come into these communities and I mean, in reality, most of my work was in the capital. So from mm -hmm. behind a desk and uh, the, the, these adventure things were really special to me too. Um, but no, I mean, it definitely, I think it, I'm always being very aware that I come from a Western country. I'm very privileged in many, many ways. Um, so really making sure that you sort of use your your research skills uh, um, and yeah like sort of bringing it back to adjusting policy making sure that it uh, 
um, benefits uh, the people that we work for and uh, but also yeah always being sort of reflective of your own role because um, yeah you really want to empower the people there to to bring about change themselves I'm, I'm not the change maker in that situation I simply document uh, the, the people who are the change makers within the communities and within the countries and um, yeah try to bring that to international attention or uh, decision makers in that country and uh, working together with uh, with the local teams uh, there mm. so yeah it's a uh, yeah, it, it enriched me in so many ways. I think uh, I'll, I'll never feel like I belong to one country anymore. I think that that's and that's a beauty and sadness at the same time. I don't think I, uh, yeah, my my roots are nowhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you're a global even, citizen. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Which which is great, but sometimes also, uh, yeah, having experienced uh, living in all those different countries, seeing all the terrible things that are still happening uh, everywhere it's something that you can never get out of your system which is a good thing but it's not always an easy mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Yeah. i asked Karin about her challenges in her leadership development and she explains that when she was working a couple of time with managers and leaders that in her eyes were not performing that well she had difficulties to finding her role and to cope with that situation Karin explains and it's hard because you still want to be able to do your job and at the same time uh, these situations really cause a lot of stress for a team uh, for the programs that we're trying to implement and uh, yeah not always uh, a correct and timely action is taken mm-hmm. um, so and how do you deal with that because you, you described that you enter a context where there are kind of limited factors in this case a manager uh, but it can yeah. but how do you deal with that when when you get yeah yeah. things in the way basically for the goal you want to reach for yeah. uh, equal rights and better system for many how uh, do you deal with that i think my approach has changed over the years because i mean the young me was very direct and dutch mm-hmm. which doesn't always work <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, some of it is still there. I've also had many uh, fantastic managers uh, throughout the years who told me, Karen, you're very Dutch and direct, which doesn't always work, but please don't change. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I think also throughout the years, I became sort of more diplomatic in these situations and just really sort of trying to still work with it. And, And other times... Um, like that example I gave you of the, the consultancy firm I worked for being purchased by a very large organization that didn't match with my values, um, I left. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it's also, yeah, and it, it's also liberating to make that choice even if you don't have your next job lined up, but just to decide for yourself, you know what, now um, I'm not comfortable in this position anymore. It doesn't uh, align to my values. Uh, it's time to go. Yeah. And uh, so far that's worked out well. I think it's also having that sort of optimism that things will be okay. And, yeah. and of course, the, the longer you are in your career, the, the easier that is because you have a CV with, with experience sure. on it. That but was, you also have yeah. a mortgage and, uh, and two children yeah. and, and, and everything to take care of. So also the yeah. risks are a bit bigger, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely true that's uh, i mean the mortgage is a new thing since living in the netherlands (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah, no i just as as a metaphor however the what i think uh risk taking is part of your journey yeah it's part of your river it's 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 with that optimism and a positive mindset but you are daring to take risks yeah 
Absoluut. Ja, yeah. en yeah. mijn partner is wel. Dat really helpt. Ik denk we zijn eternal optimists. En natuurlijk, we we fall on our faces uh, yeah. every now and then, definitely. Maar ja, try to take the learning out of it and uh, knowing that it's also it's it's yeah often it's just a phase. I can be super upset about something right now, but probably a year from now I won't even think about mm. it anymore. And also sort of realizing that is uh, yeah, yeah really helpful. It's just a moment in time. Yeah. Yeah, nice. usually most most things pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and are there any, um, if you look into the context of your work and life, are there specific elements that need to be there to take that risk or those decisions that you think, okay, this is where I take the lead and I change directions or this is where I think we need to make a difference. What are the, the context of elements that actually are nurturing you yeah. for those crucial moments? Yeah, def- definitely leadership without an or- within an organization. I mean, mm. at the moment, I have the most amazing director I've ever worked for in my career. And uh, working under her, she's very passionate, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, really trusts uh, the people uh, like me who, who are doing the work. And uh, and that's so important that you, you get the responsibility, you get the... Um, Um, what's the word, the uh, sort of freedom uh, and responsibilities by uh, your leadership uh, to to do your job and to do it well. And uh, that's really within an organization uh, that makes a lot of difference. Mm. And of course, having colleagues uh, who you can have sparring moments with, who, who, you know, you can give feedback to each other without sort of uh, the fear of, uh, of that having an impact on relationships, really being honest with each other and being really that sort of uh, one team feeling, uh, that common goal, being on the same page, all those things. And at the moment in my current position, that's really there and it, it's so inspiring and it gives so much yeah, positive energy to to work like listeners cannot see your face but you're actually (laughs) glowing right now so it's i'm just passing this message on yeah it's beautiful to see yeah no definitely it's really that that makes all the difference If, if yeah i think in my experience working under leadership that yeah didn't have those factors uh, or working in teams that didn't have the same goal or the same motivation uh, as as me then yeah then it becomes uh, it becomes difficult, difficult. Yeah. yeah hey you river flowed from the netherlands to uh, tibet to east africa to vietnam to back to east africa back to the netherlands all over the world yeah. and in between you visited many countries if i look um, if we look together to the future and not necessarily location wise but how will your leadership journey well what what are your dreams or aspirations if we look five or maybe ten years ahead like how does the future look like do you have any idea um, it's a good question i've never been much of a planner i think that the longest um sort of time i've been with the same organization is three and a half years <laughs> but um No, I think in terms of, I know this is about personal leadership and not about uh, managing people, but I think a next sort of natural step in my career would be to explore uh, management positions, even though yeah, my first job after university was being director mm-hmm. and managing people. You but, started uh, like really... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a funny journey, but uh, yeah, I think that will be very interesting in terms of uh, next steps and uh, yeah, 
I mean, working for the United Nations all those years, I think New York will always be on the bucket list. And uh, perhaps uh, it's, it's a little bit different now because we have kids and they have their sure. own social networks. So who knows? But uh, maybe going abroad uh, again uh, to an interesting country, either Asia or Africa or uh, who knows, uh, headquarters, uh, New York. Um, nice. Yeah, would, would be... Uh, Definitely an option. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's do a podcast series recording in uh, New York. Once. Yes. <laughs> With a good cup of coffee. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. Wow, Galen, thank you so much for explaining and sharing your story. I think it's enriching and inspiring for many. Uh, you have done great things. And as you sh- I think there are great things ahead for you. Um, so thank you for for this and um, yeah very welcome thank you for inviting me you're more than welcome and thanks for listening to this podcast about sustainable development change making leadership and happiness this podcast was produced by Color Fields by Mike van der Velden